Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationship. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, Mike Sasaki, the Director of Customer Success for MyTech Systems, is joining me to talk about what to do and, very bravely, what not to do in your first year as a customer success leader. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you very much, Kristen, and thank you to Strike Deck and the Success League. Very happy to be here today. Well, thanks for joining us. You're you're about 18 months into your current role, it looks like, and you've been the Director of Customer Success a few times before. Tell us a little bit about how you landed in customer success and how you developed your career in leadership. Yeah, you know, that's a funny story. And it's probably a story that a lot of c- customer success leaders can relate to. So I joined, uh, well, I was working in biotech a long time ago and uh, from 2001 to 2008. And it's, you know, way different than uh, marketing automation or technology um, or customer success. And I met Shrisha Ramdas. Uh, Just randomly, I met him and we started talking and he was telling me about um, his marketing automation startup. And it sounded really interesting. And I was looking uh, to get out of biotech and do something a little more interesting uh, from my perspective. And I was lucky enough to meet Shrisha and I joined his startup, Lead Formix, in 2008. And my role with Lead Formix was to ensure our customers were happy, successful, paying us, um, understood all of the, the, uh, the new items or the new features coming out in the roadmap and everything that you can think of with customer success. Uh, the only thing is I didn't know it was customer success. We were just trying to make sure that we were paid every month. And so we were doing everything we could uh, to make sure that happened. So that was my start uh, into customer okay. success. Cool. And then how did you move into leadership role? Yeah. So from there, um, the customer success function was starting to mature. And, you know, I think Shrisha was probably the one that came to me and says, you know what you're doing, you're doing customer success. And so, you know, I read up on it and uh, learned more about it and how to really um, grow your customers, make sure they're successful, build a team. And so we were acquired by Calidus Cloud in 2012. Um, I think it was 2012. Feels like so, so long ago. Uh, but I became uh, the director of customer, su- customer success there and same type of role. Um, but, you know, things move quickly within customer success and technology. And yeah. so the role definitely um, transitioned or transformed over the years. So now you're in um, leadership at MyTech. Um, can you give us a little background on your current team and talk a little bit about what MyTech does and how your customer success team is structured there? 
Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, um, okay. from actually from Calidus Cloud, I went to Oracle. I wanted to work at a bigger company and see how they do customer success because what I found is that each organization, um, each vertical, kind of does it a little bit differently, and some companies do it a lot different than others. And so, I got a lot of experience at Oracle, and from there, I moved on to my tech systems. Uh, in San Diego, my my hometown, um, and uh, I was the first. Uh, they did a reboot of customer success, so during that reboot, I was the first hire in North America for customer success. And my okay. mission there was to build out the team, um, and of course, you know, build the the world, uh, build a world class customer success team. I think that's probably on everyone's uh, a mission uh, statement, as at least when customer success, at least as it relates to customer success. Hey, if we all build world-class customer success teams, how great would that be? Yeah, I, know, I think right? that would be fantastic. Yeah. We should all be doing that. That's pretty easy. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, I'm going to ask you a little bonus question, and this is yeah, just sure. for my own curiosity. Um, I, I wanted to see whether you think of yourself as a big company person or a smaller company person. Oh, that's I'm always great, curious about that. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the grass is always greener to, to some extent. Uh, which is really interesting. So uh, depending on when you ask me, I would probably say startup, midsize, um, you know, large company. I would say my time at Oracle, I really valued for one reason. And my time mm-hmm. at Leadformix, I valued for another reason. Uh, but I knew that the, the best place for me as a customer success leader is in this, you know, 200 to 500 million market cap. Um, uh-huh. And so that that's where I've really uh, focused in the last couple of years. So mid-sized, maybe mid-sized company. Okay, cool. I, I just, I'm always curious about that with people. I find people kind of tend to gravitate toward one area. What so. do you find with customer success leaders? Do you find that they, um, a lot of them like startups or is it all over the place? It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the important thing is that leaders know that about themselves so that they don't go into a big company because they feel like they have to when that's really not what they enjoy. Um, or, you know, vice versa, go into a small company thinking, oh, I should be in a startup. I'm here mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. <laughs> you right, know? Yeah. And, uh, and then they hate it. You know, I think, I think you like what you like and there's, it, there's good and bad to either. So yeah, I think it's great that you figured out what you liked and, and you kind of went for it. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, to know what you like. You also have to know what you don't like. And I think right. having that uh, the smart startup, mid-sized, big company experience was really great because I knew for sure yeah. what I liked after that. Yeah, that's fantastic. So normally we set up the topic a little bit, but since you're willing to share details on what has worked and not worked for you in your first year of leadership, I think we should just dive right in. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover. You have a lot of stuff that you're willing to share. So that's great. <laughs> yep. Let's start by talking about how to kick things off right by establishing trust and support with the other executives that you'll be working with as a customer success leader. How have you gone about doing that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And and when I came in, I was as the first customer success uh, person at my tech, um, I was really concerned about that. You know, I knew that... Um, Customer success alone cannot be successful within the company. That's really hard to do. Um, I was lucky enough to have a CEO that valued customer success. And right before I joined, he handed out the customer success book um, to his management staff as required reading for their retreat. And so that was part of the reason why I joined 
it was it was awesome that he did that. Um, so he got it, and and the rest of the company got it, and we're all on board. And before I even started, we were marching the, the same direction. But um, when I came in, I knew I had to build an alliance and build partnerships with the different orgs. And right away, what I saw was that there was a lot of um, a lot of different orgs getting pulled into customer conversations, customer issues, um, being asked to join customer meetings. It was really time consuming, a lot of escalations. And so the first thing I wanted to do was give back time. So if I could give back time to the sales team, to the product team, to the engineering team, um, I thought that would be a good first thing to start with. And so that's what I did. You know, I, I tried to handle the customer issues and, you know, in customer success, we see a lot of issues with customers and that's just a, a regular day. So we know how to handle it. We know not everything doesn't need to be escalated. Right. Um, and so handling, handling it that way in the beginning gave back a lot of different time, a lot of time to the different orgs. And I think that built a relationship with each of the orgs. And that was the first. Yeah, step. that's great. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful approach. Um, were there any mistakes that you made in getting key execs to support you? What did you do to correct those mistakes? Yeah, you know, I probably was not. Why well, no? I was not uh, fast enough. Um, I could have done this a lot quicker. I think one of the things that I was concerned about um, up front was, well, what if these escalations are valid, right? I don't want to be the one that says this is not an escalation and then we lose the customer. You know, I didn't trust myself. Yeah. Right. And um, so I was hesitant in that way. Um, but once I, I, I understood the customers a bit more, um, I was able to figure out, OK, these are not escalations. Right. We can handle this within customer success. Um, and so that, mm -hmm. that was probably one of the mistakes, the, the early mistakes I made. Um, I would say choosing um, I was going to say not choosing a, uh, a tool right away was a mistake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have a lot of momentum in the beginning and you have the opportunity yeah. to get what you want. And I probably waited too mm -hmm. long there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did that, did that end up with you having to wait longer than you should have to get the tool in the end? It, it, you know, it did not, but I could have gotten it earlier. I just didn't didn't, okay. didn't ask for okay. it, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's good learning. I think you that's one that you don't really learn until you've experienced it, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what is that right time to bring it up? Exactly. Um, as we were prepping for the episode, you mentioned not getting caught up in battles over who owns accounts. It sounds like you have had some maybe bad experiences in that area. Can you share with us what you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. I think every customer success manager and professional has battled over accounts. And um, I think, mm -hmm. you know, one of the one, one of the things that I focused on when I first joined my tech was really building a great relationship with sales. I've I've in, in general, I've liked every salesperson I've worked with. Um, they have a job to do. I have a job to do. And, you know, if we focus mm -hmm. on that, I think it's a really good partnership. I also know that the sales team is just really good at selling, right? Whether it's externally and, or internally. And they're also really, really uh, vocal. And so if I was going down the wrong path with the sales team, uh, sales leadership, that would not be smart. It would not be good. That's not what I wanted. That's not what they wanted. And so I really right. did focus on building that relationship. And they've been the biggest advocate or our customer success org. And that's really important. You need sales uh, backing you, you need sales partnership. Um, and that's been really one of the keys to the success that we've had in customer success at MyTech. 
Um, and, That's fantastic. Yeah. So who it, who at MyTech does quote unquote own the account? Oh yeah, or does everybody Your own it? Was badly right. <laughs> um, so. The this is this is really interesting. I've I've definitely had battles with salespeople or perceived battles. Um, and what I've learned is that the process owns the account, right? The process owns the account. So if they're in implementation, I really believe the PS person in our case or the solutions consultant in other cases owns the account and drives the implementation. Um, if there's yeah. an opportunity, an expansion opportunity, the salesperson drives it. Um, if there's other things that, you know, the customer success manager is best skilled to handle, then they own the account at that point. Um, so really the process mm-hmm. owns the account. Um, and I, oh, I like that way of thinking about mm-hmm. it. No, I was going to, I was just saying, I, I like that way of thinking about it because then it takes the people out of the equation. It's not, you know, Bob's account or Mark's account. It's, you know, it's the processes account and whoever happens to be in the process owns it. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to look at it. And it takes all that um, emotion out of it. Exactly. It does remove all that emotion. And um, one thing that I also learned is that, you know, trying to define who owns the account up front, that leads to a lot of meaningless meetings, useless meetings, um, hurt feelings, <laughs> yeah. you know, people angry. Why don't you just get to work on the account and it'll naturally happen, right? Who owns the account when? And don't be offended by the sales Mm -hmm. team saying that they're the quarterback. We hear that a lot or that they own the account or what, you know, whatever the case is. It's it's not it's it's really a battle not worth fighting, in my opinion. Um, You Mm -hmm. can you can ignore that, overlook it, just start working together. And, you know, that naturally the partnership and the relationship becomes really strong and you start delivering on these accounts. Yeah, I think I think the thing that plays into that sometimes is the commission plans that are in sure. place for the salespeople. Yeah. And they feel like they have to kind of keep a grip on the accounts because they are still getting paid on them or whatever's happening. So I think as a leader too, one thing to consider, you know, if if there is battling happening over accounts, it might be coming from the compensation plan. And maybe it's a sign that you should take a look at that and see if there's anything that needs to be adjusted. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. We did have that issue and we adjusted our comp plan because we were trying to fight over who gets credit for certain things. And we just made it all revenue based. And, you know, it was uh, was a really good change. Um, And I make it Uh very clear when I'm working with the salespeople that, you know, I am focused on them hitting their number. And I want them to hit their number and I want them to be efficient. So if there's an opportunity, I'll bring them into it. Um, They're invited to all our meetings. We're totally open. You know, we're not trying to um, hide meetings or uh, not invite them to meetings. So, yeah, we work very well together, but it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is the the one team that I, I see customer success teams having the hardest time with. So you have some really good suggestions for people on how to make that a better relationship. Let's talk about processes. How do you recommend assessing the processes that are in place when you join a company and then making changes for quick wins across the organization as you go? Yeah, that's a great question. So the uh, the the trick there for me was not to make changes too quickly without understanding the context of how those processes got put in place. And also, you know, who are your customers, right? Um, You almost have to walk into a new role at a new company um, without the baggage or the history of where you came from. 
because I think it's easy to take what I did at Oracle or the reasons we had processes in place and apply them to my tech without sitting down and understanding, you know, what is my tech? Who are the customers, right? What are the pain points? All of that. So that, that would be my one tip there. Um, and then once you do identify um, a process change that needs to be made, don't do it by yourself. I would say um, have support from the different orgs, spend the time um, getting the support from the different orgs as well. I think that's a lot, uh, a lot better way to approach it than trying to make a change on your own and then communicate it out, right? It's like classic change management. So I see a lot of change that happens yeah. and um, no one knows the change, why it happened, what it means, you know, what the benefit is, right? So all of that is important. It takes time though, and you have to be patient in order to do all of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so critical that customer success teams loop in any other team that is involved in a process if they're redesigning the process, because otherwise you really run the risk of doing a whole bunch of work and then not having the other team buy yeah. in. And um, and then the process doesn't happen and there are hurt feelings and yeah. it's just a mess. So, you know, when we're doing playbooks or designing processes for teams, we really do a lot of work to bring everybody together. And recently, one of the things we've been getting brought in on is you know, where there is maybe um, some history between teams were brought in to facilitate that discussion so that um, there's a third party there who's neutral and can say, hey, you guys, this is really off from, <laughs> from what the, um, you know, best practices are in any SaaS company. So we need to, you know, we need to make some changes here to how you, you're all approaching this. And it's easier to hear that, I think, sometimes from a third party. That third party could, though, be somebody from a different team inside your own company or somebody from HR who's just, you know, out of the weeds yeah. and can really look at this from a higher point of view. I think that's a good point. And, you know, that, that bringing in that third party, they can also bring data with them, right? Uh, what are the other customers right. doing? Or, I'm sorry, the other um a SaaS companies doing. And that's really powerful. I think it's really hard to look at data that supports doing it one way and say, we're not doing it that way. Right. We're not going to do it that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the first things that I know leadership teams expect when they bring in a customer success leader is more visibility into customer health. How would you recommend starting to assess customer health if you were a new leader? Yeah, that was a, m another mistake that I made um, at, at my tech. Um, I waited too long to dive in. And it sounds funny thinking back. Why did I wait so long? I waited too long to dive into the customers, uh, the customer lists and assessing health. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's one of the first things you need to do. Um, I was uh -huh. I was thinking, you know, six months out, a year out, what do I want to do and you know, all this stuff. And I, I, I needed to uh, take a look at the customers currently and address all of the the, uh, the health. Right. There was not a lot of um, uh, I guess, touch points with our customers so that we knew what the health was for each customer. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that I would do. It sounds simple, uh, but you know, you get distracted as you, uh, when you, when you're first uh, joining the company and you're um, the first customer success leader at the company. And so that, that's definitely yes. something I would do. Well, I think you do need a little bit of time to figure out, you know, for every company, what makes a customer healthy and unhealthy is different. So you need to figure out what makes a customer healthy for, your company. And then that's what you can start to build on for your health score system or whatever you're creating. Um, but yeah, you do need a little time, but it should, it should, I agree with you. I think it should be one of the first 
things you do. Yeah, you do need time to get it right, but you may not. I think from the outside looking in, and this is what I missed from the outside looking in, they want they just want to see a a health. Right. And so, you know, we've been doing this long enough that we could assign a health just by looking at certain things. Um, and understand it. And yeah. it looks like, you know, I, I, I think there are some optics there, but, um, you know, you can always change the health, but having um, a health yep. score there makes others feel good. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's good to go back to the quote, done is better yeah. than perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, perfect it over time. It's something that you're going to be perfecting over time anyway. So, you know, get started sooner than later. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Do you need training for your customer success team? The Success League offers both instructor-led online classes and on-site team workshops. Our online classes are one hour long and offered at two different times each week to serve our global customers. They're a fantastic option for geographically dispersed teams or teams who want to build their skills but don't have a lot of time each week. Each online class includes exercises, a worksheet, and a resources list so that CSMs can keep learning beyond the session. On-site workshops cover core skills in-depth and incorporate discussion, group exercises, and role-playing to drive learning and teamwork. They're a wonderful choice for teams who work in the same location or groups who are getting together for a company event. For more information about our online classes or our workshops, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. I also want to remind you that the Customer Success Network hosts customer success events all over the Bay Area. These meetups occur once a month and include networking, presentations, and lively roundtable discussions about important topics in the field. Please visit meetup.com slash customer success network to see a list of upcoming events. We would love to have you join us. And now back to our interview. Once you have customer health figured out, a natural next step is to consider how you engage your customers. So how would you recommend approaching that? And what has or hasn't worked for you in the past? Yeah. um, Engaging customers is probably the thing that we love to do the most, right? Um, And so how do you do that? I think first, before you do that, you need to segment your customers and you need to understand What's the engagement model for each tier? Um, And once you have segmented them, tier one, tier two, tier three, for example, where tier one being the highest Uh ARR, um, then you can start thinking about how you're going to engage with them. Personally, I like doing the first engagement in person, especially with the biggest accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, And from there, you can maintain the relationship over the phone. But to build a relationship in the beginning um, is it's really hard to do over the phone, or at least I'm not very good at it. Um, but I can, you know, I can maintain it over the phone, over email, as long as I built the relationship in person. I think that's my strongest suit is being in person. Um, but I would focus on the red customers first. I want to get that quick win. If you could show you turn the customer red to green, um, then I think you get a lot of credibility and uh, it, it, it just looks it looks really good and it is really good for the business. Right. Um, and I think that's something that CSM professionals, customer success professionals are really good at 
And maybe we don't, you know, we don't know that we are really good at it. And it's a skill set that not everyone has. And we should, you know, we should show it early on. And so that, that's what I would focus on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, some people argue you should go after the yellows first and, and turn them green because they're, they're closer to being healthy than the reds and the reds might just be done. Um, but I, I agree with you that having that visible change is so powerful as you're proving the value of customer success, to, especially to a company that hasn't had customer success before. They need to see some quick wins. Yeah. And I think that's a way that you can show that. And I think that's, that's important. Um, I think too, you know, for those listeners out there who don't have the luxury of meeting with new customers in person. Um, I do love the idea of that personal touch. And I think if you're in that boat and you're like, gosh, we just can't be flying out to see all of our customers, our price point doesn't support that. You can use tools like Zoom to, you know, have a face, you know, behind the, the voice so that they can see you and you can see them and you can start to build that personal relationship. And we had Ed Powers on the show a couple weeks ago and he was talking about um, how that that personal face-to-face contact is so critical. And when you can't do it in actual person, I think use a tool like Zoom or something like that. That's a really good point. You know, and I, I don't, um, I think we, you know, we obviously use uh, web conferencing tools as well. And uh, that's a point that I forgot that, you know, turning on the video, turning on the webcam, it goes a long way. Um, seeing the person versus just talking to them over the phone like we used yeah. to do. And I'll admit, I find it awkward. I don't always feel beautiful enough to be hopping on the webcam and talking to people. But, you know, I think what people are looking for is that human connection more than you looking yeah. super great. So if you can kind of get over yep. yourself, then it, it's totally very agree. helpful. So. Yeah. So let's talk about tools and training. Uh, when is the right time to bring those things in? You mentioned bringing in a tool sooner than you had originally thought you should. Um, what about training? Yeah. So training for um, my CSM team or training. There's all, there's two types of training that, that actually now that I think about it, there's training your team, uh, but there's also training uh-huh. uh, internally, you know, the different orgs. And I did spend a lot of time on that. So how do you interact with CSMs? How do we interact with you, right? Us getting trained as well. And that, that went a long way. Yeah. So how did you approach that? I, pretty openly. You know, I said, hey, we're, we're new here. We want to work with you. We want to make your life a lot better. Um, we want to, to give you back time, right? So let's talk about how we're going to work together. How do you want to be engaged? You know, is there a form? Is there a process? If we want a feature request, you know, how do we do all these things, right? How do we escalate support tickets? You know, do you want customer customers to submit support tickets themselves or do we submit them on behalf of the customer? Right. And I have an opinion on all this, but you know, I, I wanted to open it up to them and, and the different orgs were very open with Oh, that's great. Um, how about training your own team? How did you approach that? Yeah, so I, um, I was, I was lucky enough to bring on um, two really good CSMs that um, had done the job before. You know, and lucky is really the word there because you know interviewing uh, uh, anyone is really hard, and, and uh, you do have to get lucky. You have to be lucky um, a lot of the time. So, yeah. um, but I, there was a certain way I wanted things done. And so I started with the customer life cycle and the way I like to, um, to engage with customers is to have the CSM, um, introduced at signing, 
Um, and I'd be interested to hear from you. Do you hear that a lot that CSMs are being introduced at signing of the contract or when are they typically introduced? I encourage that they're introduced there or even maybe a little bit before the end yeah. of the deal. Um, I'm seeing more and more people do that now. Um, there's still a lot of people who have kind of lengthy implementation cycles that wait until after implementation to introduce the CSM. And I think they're missing incredibly valuable relationship building time and probably losing the connection with the executive or buyer level contact at that company by, by doing that. So I I think you're absolutely right. It needs to happen right away. And even if it means that they're just in there and they're, only doing the relationship pieces and they're not doing the tactical pieces because you have a separate implementation team. I think being in there right away Absolutely. is Absolutely. We're building the relationship with the business team while the uh, implementation yep. team's working with the technical team. Uh, but one thing that I've seen is yeah. all implementations are painful and the CSM needs to understand how painful it was yeah. for that customer. You can't just come in um, at go live and, you know, and not have all that history. Right. So it's really important. And you're in there together working on the implementation. So it goes a long way. Um, so certain yeah. things I, I was really um, I, I really had a, a, an idea of what I wanted to do, what I wanted the CSMs to do. Um, other things I was very um, open to, you know, however they wanted to handle their customers, their book of business. You know, I've been a CSM. Um, sometimes leaders, CSM leaders have not been a CSM before. I think being a CSM, you've had quotas put on you. You need to be on site once a week. You need to have a QBR every quarter. You need to have a monthly touch, you know, and, and some of the times it didn't make sense. Right. Um, so I appreciated it when my director or my supervisor manager allowed me to do what I think is best for the business. Um, but here are some guidelines. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how I train them. Um, here are some guidelines. Here's a QBR template, right? This is, this is, you know, the one you, you, okay. you you'll use. And, um, but I really left it up to them and I got two CSMs that are so different, but equally effective. <laughs> and so they need that room, you know, they need that room to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so important not to be too prescriptive with CS people because I think if you've hired really well and you've got the right people, they need room for their personalities to come through. Um, that's what customers like about them. And so, you know, you don't want to get too scripted. It's different than sales yeah, that way, I, I think. Agree. So another interesting topic I'd like to touch on before we wrap up is the idea of PR for the customer success team. So that would be both internal and external. How do you leverage thought leaders or customer success leaders and your most successful clients to help spread the benefits of customer success around the organization? Yeah, that's uh, really important. And I think by nature, customer success people are not really good at telling everyone what they've done, right? Um, I think we're the customer success managers I've been around are pretty humble. Um, they will point to the different yeah. teams that supported the customer and made them successful. That's why it's really important to have a sales partner like I have that is going to talk, you know, talk about how great the customer success team is. And, you know, he really means it. So that that's that that's the unsaid part mm-hmm. is that, you know, it has to be genuine, of course. Um, but other other orgs as well, talking about how great the customer success team is, it goes a long way. Um, and so what we do is we will bring in um, customer customers uh, to talk about, you know, their implementation, the success they've seen. And without a doubt, they'll mention the CSM. Right. 
And I think everyone has experienced this with their customers that our, our customers love our CSMs and the work that they're doing to try to make them successful. And they will always shout them out. They will always show examples. And so, you know, bringing the customer on site um, is really helpful. Um, MPS is, is super important as well. And having an area uh, in the MPS survey where they could provide feedback, they're always talking about the CSM, right? How great the CSM is. And so that's, um, that's super helpful as well in, uh, in, I guess, the PR for customer success. Yeah, that's great. I love those ideas. So you shared a lot of details and ideas with us today. If you had to offer a new leader advice on the best place to start, let's say they're you know, a month into their new leadership role at a new company. What's the best way to organize all of the stuff we talked about? And where would you tell them yeah, to start? Yeah, so you need to prioritize, you know, what are you going to do? And so one thing that I did, I did, and I asked the CSMs to do is come up with a 30, 60, 90 day plan. I think it's really important to do that. And it's not, you know, not necessarily to share. You can if you want, but it's really yeah. to make sure you're on track. And what I see with customer success managers is after 30 days, they feel like like they're they're so far behind, right? Or direct their customer success. I'm so far behind. But if you check back on your 30, 60, 90 day plan, you'll see that you're probably ahead of where you need to be. So you need to be patient, um, but you need to prioritize the right things to do. So things like turning uh, turning the health of a customer around, I think, is important. Um, but without a doubt, the number one mm-hmm. important thing is build those relationships with the different orgs, especially the sales team, the individual salespeople. Um, find out how business is done. So at my tech, business is done over lunch. It's really important to build those relationships, and those are done over lunch. We work downtown, plenty of places to eat. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, take someone out to lunch, spend some time with them, build those personal relationships, understand what their business challenges are. Um, another thing is to look at the different orgs and see how you can help them. And this is really a selfless act. You're not looking for something in return. You're looking to help the different orgs out. And right. I think CSMs... The great thing about customer success is you sit at the center of the company, you touch all the different orgs, you know, all the different pain points, and there's probably something you could do to help. Yeah, I love that approach. And I think going in and talking to people and, and, you know, seeing how you can help, but also seeing what they're hoping to get out of customer success, especially if this is a new function for the company. Um, it's a chance for you to kind of be PR for customer success and talk about what it is and does, because a lot of other leaders and other organizations don't really know. So it's a, it's a chance for you to build relationships both ways, which is great. So last question, and one we ask all of our guests, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? So the biggest trends in customer success right now, um, you know, I'm seeing, and maybe this isn't a new trend, but it, it goes in, 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 in years, in phases. So year one, I think uh, a organization is really happy to have customer success. Oh, it's great. You know, they're here. Our customers are being managed. That's awesome. Year two, it's okay. Where's the expansion? You know, we need to expand these mm-hmm. customers. And then year three is, oh, you know what? They're really expensive. And we're having trouble understanding the value that they're bringing, right? And so those are the things that I see. And uh-huh. I've seen that many times. And, um, you know, I think it's yeah. important to understand that those are the trends within those three years. But I am seeing a trend of um, companies not being able to value their CSMs. And so they're going to make their customers value them for them. So 
if you want to see a sub, you're going to pay for it, right? Um, as a, as a customer, so it's uh, it's not really understanding the customer success uh, role and um, making the customer value it for them. That's one trend that I'm seeing. Yeah, I've been seeing that a lot. And I, I think as a customer success leader, it's so critical for people to know how to calculate the return on investment that their team is giving to their company. And um, I did a presentation at CS100 and another presentation at SuccessCon a couple of weeks ago on this topic. I keep getting asked to talk about it because it's such a critical topic for our field. Um and I think that, you know, leaders need to know that when they're coming in to lead customer success, it's not a customer happiness engine. It's a, I mean, although that would be a lovely side effect and hopefully it is, it's a, it's providing value to your customers and to your company. And you need to be able to do the math behind that. So there's, you know, if you go and you look at an ROI calculation, it's, it's not a complicated math right. problem. It's just really kind of, Pulling out, you know, what, how do you contribute to revenue in the company? And it can be closing deals if it's that direct, or it can be influencing revenue. And um, how much does your team represent? And I think that's such a important thing for people to be thinking about. You had a bonus question. So I wanted to maybe pose a bonus controversial question. Um, and that's yeah. quotas and revenue. And, you know, what I believe is that, you know, revenue cannot be the goal. Revenue is a side effect of making your customer successful, right? And with my team, I never talk about revenue. We never talk about revenue, but we hit our numbers. And as a CSM myself, I, I never focused on revenue. And, you know, management hates hearing that. Mm-hmm. But I just focused on making the, the customer successful. And I always hit my numbers, right? Um, and so as a director, or a customer success leader, I know CSMs don't want to hear about revenue and have that pressure. And so I don't talk about that with my team. But when I manage up, of course, I talk about it, you know, and we do hit our numbers and we talk about revenue every week. Right. But I try to shield my team from that discussion and I just make their job as simple as possible. Are you making the customer successful? If not, why? Right. How can I help? And we don't talk about, are you hitting your numbers? Are you tracking? Are you to, to your goal? Are you know, what expansion opportunities do you have? We, we don't talk about that stuff. So mm-hmm. I know that might be a bit controversial because I think some leaders feel quotas are important, but I don't know what you thought on that topic. Um, so I think that sometimes people overshield their teams from things. Um, and it's fine if you've got CSMs who are, you know, you really want them to focus and maybe it's a newer team and, um, you know, you need them thinking about the things that you want them doing day to day. And revenue may not be one of those things. So totally agree with you if that's the case. Um, where I think you might be doing your team into services, you've got to build up the person who's going to come after you in your leadership role. And if they're not aware of how much revenue plays into customer success, then that's going to be a problem because they're going to be coming in missing a big component of what a leadership team looks at when they're calculating the return turn on investment for any team in a company. Um, So I think that, you know, as the team matures and you get to a point where you need to kind of build up that leadership team behind you, then I think talking about revenue makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's my take on it. So I don't think we're too too different. I come out of a sales background too, so take you know take my perspective with a grain of salt because I am super comfortable with revenue conversations and not everybody is. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think I I skew toward having those conversations, and other people skew away from having those conversations. So anyway, I appreciate you throwing that um, that bonus question in there. Yeah. Um, it's an important thing to be talking about. So I know our audience really appreciates guests who are willing to be candid and share both their positive and negative experiences. So thank you so much for all of your ideas and advice on getting started in a customer success leadership role. Um, This was a really fun conversation, Mike. So thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Kristen, for having me on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. And if anyone has any questions or wants to get in contact with me, they can find me on on LinkedIn, or they could email me at msasaki, S-A-S-A-K-I, at mytechsystems.com. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.